Sure. So yep. what I was saying is, um, Bester, I don't know if we're going to share the office space together because Cynthia oh. usually works at her office at the university and we we have space for two desks in there, but I don't know if we would have space for like two desks and a pull-out couch, which is the other aspiration. Bunk desks? Uh, desks. Bunk desks. Yeah. Bunk desks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's if, my, if you, that's if you my keep plan whispering it like that, it's going to sound like we're going to break out into song. Bunk desk, bunk desk, Get a bunk desk. Bunk desk is down. Get a bunk desk. If you live in Central California and the rent is real high, you never know what kind of space you can get, and you might need to pay sky high prices. Get a bunk desk. Get a bunk desk. And you thought this bunk bunk idea was really whack because your bunk toilet just couldn't do that. I call top. <laughs> That's well, the, the bunk guy that's going to bunk toilet. Too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Before he laughed, I, he laughed at me so hard, he threw up on himself. I'm really, really impressed by the fact that uh, both of you were able to come up with on-the-spot bunk desk wraps without... <laughs> rehashing the same material you both went in really different and interesting directions yeah like it's that, it's that classic east coast midwest rap competition <laughs> yeah we're the biggie and tupac of bunk desk raps well like two you're not all the way pac yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i'm not really biggie i'm like it's like literally and one pac yeah there we go <laughs> There was a, a professional wrestler in the late 90s uh, who went by the name of... Name Buck Calhoun? No. Was it Ace Jack Calhoun? No, he was much earlier. Uh, but he, he went by the name of x P.W. Swackhammer. Yeah, that's a great name. I love seeing that name. <laughs> Is uh, that a real name? That's the name of the director of, of the movie we watched. Um, oh, I clearly did not notice that. Um, I missed that. Yeah. No, this, the wrestler's name was x and uh, it... I, I could never tell, like, is he doing, like, is it solve for Pac, or is it 10 Pac? Like, how am I supposed to interpret this? I mean, it, or is it... Oh, oh. Is it, like, Epoch with no, an X in the former middle? Pac, isn't it? It's X, it's like... Or is know, it just X-Pac. what you call an expansion, an X-Pac? Oh, yeah, that actually is also... Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Or is think about, about, but I would rather think Pox. about the name E.W. Swackhammer. Can we talk about the name Snyder that's on the back of that van for no reason? Uh, I I missed that, honestly. Wasn't that an ambulance? Yeah, and it says Snyder on the back of the ambulance. Snyder 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 ambulance. ambulance. It's a a relic of the days of, uh, you know, independent individual ambulance companies. Oh, okay. That 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 did double duty as person. But, Mr. Uh, Swackhammer was the bad guy in Space Jam. The name Snyder is just plastered over the screen, and there's no explanation for it. E.W. But then Hillary and I had a conversation about how 
the name Snyder sounds both very 70s and also very scummy for some reason. Mm. What Not was right. the name of the character why. that Uncle Leo played? Oh, oh he's, I think he's a henchman. henchman. He's just credited henchman. as henchman. You're right. Yeah. He's not, there are, well, I don't know. See, he and Norman Rice are both credited as henchmen, but they're not henchmen one or henchmen two. So they could have mm. been playing the same character, but at different points mm. in their own timeline. Yes, well, it's very uh, postmodern. I mean, maybe you know, like the a, it's obviously a huge part of the backstory of this particular Spider Man adventure. Oh my God. I mean, it's like the first time great. that I watched The Room and that one actor disappeared partway through the film. Oh, yeah. And I, that we had a different actor, and I thought that they had had a different actor play that same part for the rest of the film. But in fact, the one actor had just left, so they brought in a new. Yeah, actor your, to your be unconscious a new mind was feverishly trying to make sense of what you were seeing. Yes, <laughs> what I bet they did because they they were really method is they traded off roles like in Go West. Oh, Ooh. go west. So like one the day they were playing henchmen, and then they play, and the other day they were playing henchmen. They like traded off uh, which which lines they read. D- do you mean the band Go West? Yeah, what is Go West? Or- the play. Yeah, the name, there's a there's a famous play that a lot of actors yeah. do. Uh, okay, I have heard of that, but for I a moment I thought that you were telling me that the band Go West, which I believe consisted of two members, uh, <laughs> that they traded off. But I don't know. Might be True West. True West might be what I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, but yes, True Go West is the king of uh, the king of uh, wishful thinking. Yes, I... they are the the king of wishful thinking, and also the pretending that their ship is not sinking. Speaking of yes. like your your mind trying to make sense of this, I was feverishly trying to like snap to grid and figure out what movie you were talking about because I couldn't think of a movie that was Go West. And the one that my brain kept going to was um, there was a movie called The Villain with Kirk Douglas and Arnold Schwarzenegger back before Schwarzenegger was anything. Um, and I, I was just very amused by the idea of at different points in the film, Kirk Douglas and Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to pass themselves <laughs> off as the same guy. Isn't that what twins is? Twins think... with Danny DeVito, who voiced <laughs> Swackhammer in Space Jam. E.W. Swackhammer. All comes back around. Full All circle. right, six degrees of Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, this is gonna be. This is gonna be a. I think a, there's a. Yeah. I think there's a Marx Brothers movie called Go West. If we're just tossing Ooh. out things called Go West, That's Duck Soup. I think you're thinking of Duck Soup. <laughs> you're correct. Uh, I actually was thinking of the film Closer uh, with Clive it's a later Marx Brothers, Brothers film. Where it? yeah, it's it's in the play. It's it's post Zeppo. Either they both had starred in the play and they played different roles, or I think Clive Owen had been in the play, but as the other role. You're correct. Okay. There is a business called Go West Adventures that on Van Avenue. Yes, and uh, is it Less Than Heroes? Is that the one with? Uh, is that the one with uh, Matthew Perry as Lewis and Clark? Uh, no, that's that... Less Than Zero. No, no. no that's Almost Heroes. Almost, well. almost the heroes. actual name of the movie you're thinking of is Almost Heroes. Yes. I was I was pretending that it was something else. In a, yes, in it was a hilarious jape. <laughs> the Robert Downey Jr. drug addiction movie, Less Than Zero. Yep. Go sure. West was a Marx I was actually Brothers thinking of film. the Zero effect, I think. <laughs> Has Ben Stiller in it? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. Go West was There's a some... Marx Brothers film that was made in 1940. 
Uh, three full years after a day at the races, which tells you where they were in their career trajectory when they made yes, it. Yes, that is that's very late in their career. I misheard that as three full days after a day at the races. <laughs> and three full days. Who were actually telling us that they had they begun just, filming? They just another cranked movie them out in those days. Later. <laughs> yeah, Whew, you know that vaudeville background will really. I mean, you yeah. can just do anything yeah. if you go through that ringer. It's yeah, like vaudeville. I mean, there's a, there's a vaudeville background, a humming studio system, and a crippling gambling addiction. <laughs> oh my god we've turned into like a, a cnn or fox news show just yelling over each other but <laughs> i'm not hearing i could just maybe it's because i'm using hillary's computer because mm-hmm. my computer won't even load the would you like to unblock these plugins box now so to find yet another workaround to my computer being super old but uh normally i can actually hear all of what you're saying at the same time but it seems like hillary's computer is trying to parse out and make one voice dominant. Mm. So T- tell I the computer not, not to worry. Anything. We'll handle yeah. that. <laughs> uh, all right. Do we want to? Uh, do we want to talk about this movie? Yes. Uh, yes. I don't do. know. I feel like I feel like there's a lot more tangents we can go on. <laughs> don't worry. We <laughs> will. Funny names. Don't yeah, worry. Let me. Let me funny. Funny let me. Let me. Let me channel my seventies. All right. Big pants, big hair. I'm good. Yeah, I need some horns. Cheap green screen. I'm on it. Okay, so the wall climbing effect. Oh god, I, I want to talk about the wall climbing. I think they were probably using blue screen. <laughs> I think they were using rear projection. Um, no wait, Did, didn't they? Wasn't it? Didn't it used to be blue screen and then it switched to green screen? Like at some point, yeah, days? but it was like rear projection before that. But it, this was probably blue screen. Okay. Um, yeah. So I know things about film. You this film is whatever was cheapest. Yeah. Green screen is generally when they switch to digital is when they start using green. Screen. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. For, for whatever reason, this like film wasn't shot cameras. digitally. <laughs> The reason, incidentally, is because basically half the pixels on all digital camera sensors are green, so it's 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 easier to get a a, a comp out of them. So th- we we are we are off of uh, we are off of our normally scheduled programming for this episode because normally we do a chronological march through the films of uh, the Marvel uh, adapted films of Marvel comics here at Cinema Excelsior, but this is we have gone back to before our first episode for this for this one um I, i've been thinking about like if we're going to do these occasional uh divergent digression digressions uh back into spy aggressions oh Man. um well that's yeah <laughs> I um, <laughs> oh i see what you're <laughs> but um yeah uh, I, I think we we need a a uh, heading for this so i was thinking that this is like cinema celsius gaiden um we are really this oh, is a show yes. about a spy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this time around, we did something different. We went back and we watched the uh, 1977 pilot film for the Amazing Spider-Man TV series. Ooh. This one just called Spider-Man. Uh, limited theatrical release, apparently in some regions. Um, but uh, wait, private- seriously? Uh, yeah, I think so. Huh? Wow. All right. Uh, That's cool. Didn't know that. But uh, aired, pri- aired uh, yes, uh, overseas uh, released theatrically, yeah. but in U.S. aired on CBS. Um, uh, we'll do a quick... America's Network. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right after the Big Bang Theory, which has been... <laughs> um, quick quick round the horn. So I promised I'd, I'd do this. So 
coming to you from uh, part of the world that is on fire. Uh, we've got Big Spider himself, Patrick Regan. Yes. <laughs> um, Wait, which part of the world? There are several parts of the world that are on fire. This right one's in Alaska one's ex- or Brazil. Uh, this uh, this one's Southern California. On oh, yeah. Sorry, that one. Okay, Depending yeah. on how metaphorical we want to be, perhaps all of the world? Yes. Hey, uh, maybe I've yes, mentioned but... this. Never mind. This is not the time for that observation. Well, you know, on, really, Stephen. time is the fire in which we burn. <laughs> oh, shit. <sighs> Have I been on fire this entire time, guys? Uh, uh, we've got uh, from... Ding. Yep. Deep in the heart of Texas, we have uh, Dr. Nick Bester. Hello. I don't get a spider-based nickname. Um, you had to ask for one. I was about, I was feverishly Dr. searching Nick for like Fury. the laziest possible spider uh, name that I could come up with. And I wanted to say tarantula, but my brain glitched and I almost said anchovy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm, anchovies. Big anchovy. <laughs> I do like anchovies. I do like it. I'll take it. I will take big it. I will anchovy. Big anchovy. Yep. Big um, c- coming to us from the orange room, uh, we've got uh, Daniel Watson Jones. Uh, the orange void. Good to be here. Yeah, the Big orange void. The room I'm in is quite orange. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you said that with, with such joie de vivre. I, I... <laughs> Broadcasting straight from Nickelodeon Studios. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, uh, I you... did not think about that. I, what I did think about is that we recently painted the basement uh, GAC slash ecto cooler slash uh, <laughs> slime green. And I thought, well, this will appeal to 90s kids who had Nickelodeon, unlike myself, who had the six off air channels, uh, if that on a good day. Uh, but uh, I did not think about the fact that the other room that we had painted at the time was the other color in Nickelodeon. <laughs> Are you just down the street from me, dude? Uh, what's just, that? I live yes. ju- okay, I just realized. None of you realize I live just down the street from Nickelodeon Studios. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, have been to yeah, King's Dominion, which has like a whole Nickelodeon area. Yep. So yes, I'm. It's pretty much the same. And, final, uh, yeah, and finally, yeah, finally, uh, c- coming from uh, deep in the heart of the American Midwest uh, is Dr. Derek Hong. Stefan, you could get a bunk desk, but you could also get. A funk desk. Oh! Now, well, now, now Stefan is obligated to include the bunk desk. Double, yeah, yeah. This, this, this episode is brought to you by Bunk Desk. I, you know what? I need to Google Bunk Desk real quick because i got to make sure yeah, I'm not we giving them. What if there's actually I mean, we a haven't, desk? We haven't had a good sponsor since Blue E-Cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that. I have not forgotten about... Uh, okay, I see a lot of bunk bed with desk uh, setups, well, yeah. but not... Oh, yeah. no, it's a uh, I don't see stacked desks. Oh, yeah, I had one as a kid. bed? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What about reversing? You have the bed on the ground level and the desk up above. Uh, that's the George Costanza, I believe. <laughs> what, like, I'm thinking... That'll be the first of two Seinfeld references this evening. <laughs> I think it'll be the, the first of many Seinfeld references this evening. <laughs> um, yeah, so... You've never even seen Seinfeld, have you, Stefan? Uh, I actually, so when I... Uh, sidebar. 
when Sorry I was when I was in uh, Cleveland with my folks um, over the last few weeks, uh, part of their like, okay, we're in Cleveland for medical treatment. What are we going to do for six weeks? Is they have started binge watching Seinfeld. So I watched a okay. lot of Seinfeld in the last. I'm disappointed weeks. that it's not the Drew Carey show. I'm amazed that they wanted that Cleveland character. This is the yeah. first time I've ever tried to reference anything that I recall referencing anything Seinfeld around you. Uh, but we just lost Patrick. Oh okay. God! Did the fires get him? Fire got him. <laughs> I know Patrick would not abide a Drew Carey reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you just not happened to have watched watch. a bunch of Seinfeld since the last time I saw you. Yeah. Synchronicity. Yeah. <laughs> Did you also watch a bunch of Friends? No. So that you can become contemporaneous with the year 1999? No, no. Yeah. We'll um, be there for you, Stefan. Speaking of 1999, uh, recently I saw the fact that uh, the, the year 1999 is now further in our past than it was in the future when uh, Prince was singing about it as a futuristic date. Wow. Mm, and now we're in November 2019, uh, well, contemporaneous with Blade Runner time. Yeah. Now we're in September 1977. Oh, wait, he's Blade Runner time. No yeah. wonder it's constantly raining, and I was out in the street the other day, and I looked up and I saw a Japanese, and then I fell asleep, and there was a unicorn running through my dreams. Well, that, that's, I'm sorry, what happened? That's just part of the L.A. experience. Yes. <laughs> no, that's um, part of the wildfire. And, and then experience. Edward James almost made a unicorn out of origami paint. and it meant nothing. It did not signify that you were a robot that doesn't make any sense. I mean, Edward James almost is always making me stuff out of origami. Edward James almost was not in this uh, this film that we're talking Films of Louis. Do you think this was shot mm-hmm. on tape or on film? This was shot on tape. That's what I figured. It was also very clearly no. shot in L.A. Yeah, it was shot very clearly not New York. Yes. I think That's not the Empire State Building? Like, clearly they went to, like, the... Like, they did some location shooting in uh, in New York, but almost all of this is L.A. Yeah, and most of the location shooting was getting shots that they could have the Spider-Man actor run over on a gr- run over the green screen grid on. Yes. Okay. I'm pretty sure they just had one green screen shoot, and they just... Uh, what, what's that? What's that like? Circular wipe where it's like this. The screen spins. Uh, like 180 degrees. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know uh, Eric, I can't remember what it's called. Do you know Sorry. if there's a name for that? Okay. A pivot wipe? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure there is. Yeah. I just baby wipe. Is it baby wipe? No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> why, why'd you even ask? You, that was a, you, it was a rhetorical <laughs> I don't question. Know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> why are you asking questions to which you already know the answers? So, it, uh, it seemed like they had one, maybe two shots of that actor doing the blue screen thing, and they just were applying that to different buildings. With his ass just entirely in the air. In the air. Like, well, they had <laughs> one of him climbing down towards the camera. And oh no, they also had one of him looking like his hands were close together, as if he were climbing down a pole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also a wide stance. Well, also remember there was one. Away. There was one with him in costume, and then the, my favorite one, the one of him, him out of costume. costume. Oh yes, yeah, you're right. My mistake. It's a good one. Yeah. So it's like him, like crawling all over the like. Victorian house that uh, Aunt May yes. is in. So I appreciate yeah. that we, we have jumped. The... We have to jumped begin, to... I would just like to make it clear that this is not the worst Spider-Man film I've seen. No, I, I was going to say, no, like, this, uh, is, uh, this uh, is out, out of the of gate. the better Spider-Man movies I have seen. Yeah, out so of the, go out out of the gate. Say that right now. I really enjoyed watching this. It, it was yes. it was not only the, the palate cleanser that I was hoping for, but I just... I. I I will not go so far as to say that this was good, but I will go so far as to say it was wildly entertaining. <laughs> yes. I mean, I love the fact that most, 
Most of the plot is motivated by Peter needing $46. That was yes. my favorite part of the movie. This is like almost even the He's least He's been trying to get spider. $46 out of me for two days. It's also, the, it's also the perfect amount of money yes. to motivate this particular plot. Yes. It's not $50. It's not $20. Forty-six. Yeah. Yeah. Petty, but does specific. he ever get the package yes. from the warehouse? <laughs> yeah, he does because eventually he's like he like figures out where the like the radio signals are coming from, and I assume that was because he had finally been able to buy the the part. Honestly, for I kind of warehouse. lost the thread of that. But I don't know. He, he does get he does get his he does get his allergy pills back at some point though, because that was <laughs> yes. also a plot point. Yes, it's funny that he did that. I mean. Did him not having the pills ever actually mean anything? Uh, he sneezed no. on the, he he sneezed on the rooftop and dropped his Geiger counter. Okay, that's right. He did He yeah. did drop that oh, thing I, that he made and then could not figure out how to fix. Yes. He's also, for a, for a Spider-Man, he's extremely clumsy. Yes. yes. Really yes. Spider-like <laughs> reflexes, not really. Yeah, yeah. To, be fair, to be fair, he's been Spider-Man for like four days during this movie. Like, yeah. This movie takes place over like... A, what, a, like a week-long period or something like that? Maybe not uh, even? I, yeah, I, I, uh, I missed, like, like, the precise is, ticking clock. He's a very, a yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember near the end realizing <laughs> that it was supposed to be, like, over a 72-hour period and going, like, this movie has not communicated that well. Mm-hmm. But again, he's new at Spider-Man. Like, I'll, I'll allow him so, some clumsiness. But yes, he is my, he's a deeply unimpressed let's, Spider-Man. Let, before we go further, let's do a quick plot summary, shall we? Uh-huh. Yep, okay. And the, the, well, I this should like be quick, because not a lot of plot. I was surprised yeah. when I realized that the movie started before he had his powers. Mm-hmm. And yes. then I was upset at myself for not assuming that to begin with. <laughs> so th- this... I, I was also surprised by that because, again, he's he's a much older Peter Parker than, than we're he's used much, to. He's much older. Apparently, yeah. I don't believe... We're that much the, older as a culture. I don't believe <laughs> that the name Uncle Ben is ever uttered. Um, either yeah, he I did would... not exist or died off screen in a way that weighs not at all on Peter's conscience. I, I was going to say, I'll do you one better. Uncle Ben is not even spoken. I would even venture that it's not even thought no. ever by any of these characters. Like, no. Uncle Ben's name was never spoken in Spider-Man Homecoming, but it is thought by characters. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you yeah. can, like his presence is felt in the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uncle Ben, for all I know, never existed. And Spider-Man just sort of this version of Peter Parker literally was born uh, um, from sea foam, a la the goddess Aphrodite. Yeah. Um, I so, don't know if that's necessary for an uncle not existing. That would just mean that <laughs> the, the non-existence of Uncle Ben does not mean that he is made via immaculate conception. His parents can still exist without he their He burst being a from Aunt May's uncle. head. Um, <laughs> Fully formed. No, so yeah. he's, he's played... took an axe to Aunt May and yep. he sprung out. So Peter... This uh, just took a turn. <laughs> yeah, so Peter is played by Nicholas Hammond, um, who is... A, I guess probably in retrospect best known for this, but uh, his his claim to fame was he was one of the Von Trapp children in The Sound of Music. Oh. Um, yeah, not one of the Von Trapp children in real life, though, right? Well, I don't know. He didn't pull Nicholas Coppola and change his name just so he could get famous. No, he as was uh, a fictional Von Trapp, right? No, he was uh, he was twenty seven. He was twenty seven when they made this. And all I, things considered, for what's being asked of him, I think I think he's uh, a perfectly serviceable Peter Parker. I think he's 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 doing fine work. Um, he he yeah. looks yeah. kind of like Prince from The Wire. There's there's something but with about rocking the way hair. he looks that I just 
<laughs> so for, I think it may, I can't tell if it's his hair, but there's just something about the way he looks that it's just like screams not Peter Parker to the, me, and I can't I really cannot explain why I think this. It's just this weird feeling I have. He he looks so like a John Romita senior. Same weird drawing. feeling that you have when you look at Tobey Maguire. I mean, I, I, I get what Patrick's saying. I think part of it is that, like, I can't, I, I can't imagine that this Peter Parker was like relentlessly bullied in uh, high school. Like this, no. he seems very like all American, like athletic old kind of type. He's, like, he's yeah, like, he's kind of geeky because he does seven, all, like science. Bullying like, wasn't bad back then. It was considered strengthening. Well, I'm, I this, was trying so, to make so. The, why would that? I don't know. He just point. doesn't have quite the right underdog energy for yeah uh, for Spider Man. I feel like if this Spider Man hadn't been bitten, if this he would have just like gone on to have like a, like a middling career as a as a photographer and probably done fine in science. But like he hasn't be. It's not like this like underdog who never would have uh, been anything becoming something great in the way that I feel right. like a lot De- of Spider Man De- Derek, Derek, make your point, and then I have a picture that I want to show you because this is a visual medium. Yes, very very quickly. Um, so uh, Nicholas Hammond uh, is also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, he plays the director of the episode of uh, Lancer that uh, that. Ah, Leonardo DiCaprio's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's in. Okay, he plays Sam oh, Wanamaker. Which is oh my oh, god, that, that's now, fantastic. Now you, now you know that Nick Hammond will have a small role in it. Spoilers everywhere. Obscure <laughs> actor Nick Hammond will have a role as even more obscure actor Sam Wanamaker. Um, no. So uh, the the picture that I wanted to show, but my screen sharing isn't working. Is um, well, I get the point that you're making about him not looking like dweeby bullied Peter Parker. Um, there was a there was a different visual language of what constituted what Spider-Man and what Peter Parker looked like in the 1970s because the canonical Spider-Man artist at that point in time was not Steve Ditko, who had created the character with Stanley, uh, but was John Romita Sr. And if you look at like John Romita Sr.'s version of Peter Parker, which was the canonical one through the 70s, he looks like a Jack Kirby character. He's big, he's bulky, he's got an oddly square head. Um, like it, what was the artist's name again? John Ramita Sr. Um, and it's the senior is important because his son is also an artist. Um, like John Ramita Sr.'s Peter Parker looks like a Jack Kirby character. Um, yeah, he does. So it's, mm. I, I think there's a little bit of, of, we have a different image of what Spider-Man is now. Um, but at mm. the time, oh, that's the visual of him as Peter Parker would not have been crazy. Now the visual of him as Spider-Man is hilarious. Um, but, uh, given that Peter in the compressed timeline of this film clearly threw together everything he has and God damn it, dude. <laughs> well, uh, I, I thought you said you wanted to share a picture. Yep. God, come on. P- Peter clearly threw together this costume in 24 minutes. Um, yes. like, I, 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 love, I love that all of Spider-Man's powers come out of him bullshitting J. Jonah Jameson for the $46. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's like, he's I really know Spider-Man. He's really, <laughs> he's really strong. He wears a suit. It's red and blue, and he shoots I mean, like, spider webs. And he has to invent the spider webs because he told J. Jonah Jameson. Because he lied about it. It's like, oh, shit. I mean, Not- like, I would, uh, there's, like, very little proof he actually is super strong. Like, in the fights... He certainly is not throwing the punches of a super strong. I would argue man. there's no proof that he's super strong. He's kind of, yeah, like, I mean, he's kind what? of a dope. Like, <laughs> the, yep. 
I mean, I, what I found like really fascinating about this character is, and you know, like not not to just discuss this film in relationship to you know modern films, but like audiences today have a very different set of expectations, not just about who Spider Man is as a character, but who like uh, you know are. Uh, a male protagonist, you know, is supposed to it be. It was the as 70s. Everything sucked. You had lower standards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but also like, stagflation. The way that they, like, the way that they uh, like show off his superpowers. It's like you know, in a modern super, a Spider-Man movie, you know, it's like you're swinging from the uh, from the rooftops. You have that sort of Matrix moment of like, can I, can I do it? Yes. And he, he was like, amazing. he goes out in the middle of the uh, middle of the field and like on the like saddest tree in New York City, just sort of swinging back and forth in public. And and it's no big deal for him. He's mm-hmm. he's like complete. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no moment of realization. There's no awkward like sequence yeah, where he's attempting to fly for the first time. It's just like. Oh, I guess I can do this now. Yeah, yes. like his so reaction, like, he's, somebody's trying, that he has the superpowers. first time he uses his powers, like some guy is trying to run him down in an alleyway and he climbs up a wall and there isn't any and sort of moment like, of, oh my God, I'm doing it. He like gets up to the top of the wall and there, looks at his hands and I was like, huh. There is <laughs> a very important moment there where he immediately connects this new phenomenon to having been bitten by a spider in the lab. There's he pins that down. Like, have you ever gotten a bruise on your body and you don't know how it got there? Because you've just, like, yeah. run into something so casually that you didn't I mean, realize you got hurt enough? Be fair. Like, <laughs> it's it's and, not I mean, a bruise on his faster body. faster than I can figure out how but I hurt I my leg. He, I don't think he ever sees the spider, right? It's just that he gets, like, no, he the, 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 the bite. Oh, does he? Yeah, because he, like, he, he, he like, swats it away. He, when he's when he's flashing when he's flashing back to thirty seconds earlier and he's yeah. thinking about having climbed up the wall and he's clearly wondering how can I do this uh-huh. he sees a flash of the spider and and his hand oh yeah yeah no I, I understand that I just I just couldn't remember if like in that moment he actually saw the okay, spider so, so, so it was just the the so you think film that he connects us, it to a random hurt will, in his hand so we're we're kind of we're kind of we're kind of we're kind of haphazardly careening through the plot here and I think that this unlike our very I mean, learned it from watching this film. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it back, dude. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll do a very quick... Actually, su- no, the movie is pretty coherent. Yeah, uh, we'll do a very quick summary of the plot. Um, uh, okay, More so, coherent than the Amazing Spider-Man Part 2, that's for sure. The, uh, the inciting incident, as it were, is... Uh, <laughs> stop me if you've heard this one before, but a doctor and a lawyer walk into a bank. Um, so... My- it's basically God. I can't ba- even get through that sentence without the, being bad. Okay, here, here it is. The bad guy in this is is basically a guru who has the plot of the Mad Hatter in the Batman the Animated Series episode called The Worry Man. Yeah, you know. And while that's happening, mm-hmm. Peter Parker gets bitten by a spider, becomes Spider Man, and in the pursuit of getting some like spare cash from J. Jonah Jameson, sort it's of accidentally stumbles into stum- sort of stumbles into <laughs> sort of stumbles into being a superhero. Not really meaning to, but it just sort of happens. Mm-hmm. And then he saves the day and ends up with a girl whose name I can't remember because she's not one of the important girls in Spider-Man. I, th- I, th- I think you and I pretty much summarized the plot. You've nailed it. I want to add a little bit of color. Um, so the uh, yeah, the villain is uh, he's played by Thayer David, who I recognized as the boxing promoter from Rocky. Uh, but was apparently a, a really popular, or uh, busy, not popular, but busy '70s TV actor. Um, and and he is basically Al Ron Hubbard. Um, which, which I yeah. thought was great. Uh, the a uh, couple other cast notes. Uh, so the uh, 
a girl that Peter ends up with in the end, uh, her character name is Judy Tyler. Uh, she's played by Lisa Eilbacher, who, according to IMDb, is best known for playing the uh, female lead in Beverly Hills Cop. Um, and then the other important cast note, of course, is as henchman, uh, oh. Lynn Lesser, uh, Uncle Leo himself. I'd also like to shout out uh, Jeff Donnell as, uh, as Aunt May, um, who was uh, really great, just like classical Hollywood, uh, you know, kind of bit player uh she's in uh pumphrey bogart film called uh, in a lonely place oh my god uh, wait, wait, wait 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 no I shit love that movie who was she in a lonely place was she was she the female she lead? was she, no 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 she was the the wife of she she's the, the she's the woman who um like bogey is like reenacting the crime uh with uh she's she's the wife of the police captain who bogart like sort of fake chokes when he's reenacting oh the crime. Yeah. Wow. I love that movie. And I, I uh, had no idea. That's one of my favorite bogey movies, actually. Yeah. And the, the fun fact, the picture of her on Wikipedia is from that day and age. And not in Beverly Hills Cop. I have yeah, no Frank, memory of her whatsoever. Frank Lovejoy's wife, basically. Uh, yeah, Be- fact, Bester, um, you might have thought that the female lead in Beverly Hills Cop was uh, Judge Reinhold. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Fun fact, Aunt May, yeah. was, Aunt May would be played by a different actress literally every time she appeared in this television series. <laughs> <laughs> Who's our Aunt May this week? I hope that means that she did like that she was a regular feature. Like not that it was like sporadically and like two years later it was like, oh, we need Aunt May. I really hope it was every single week Aunt May was like a she, core part she, of the show. She showed up like five times, apparently. Hmm. <laughs> well, treated like, with about I mean, as this, much as, uh, this, as this, this version of Spider-Man is, I will say incredibly disconnected from Spider-Man's sort of traditional family life. Like, I remember when we, when I first watched it, I texted you guys that I I liked the fact that Robbie Robertson was a, was a big character in this because Robbie Robertson gets forgotten a lot. Mm, Um, I have no idea how Robbie Robertson will be used as a character in, in the third Spider-Man movie, given that the current version of J. Jonah Jameson is a very, like, very different conspiracy theory (laughs) blogger guy, but that's so, but, a question for another but time. It's, it's important. Um, to, it's important. To, okay, so first of all, Robbie didn't make it to series when this got taken to series. The actor. Oh, did I did not realize that. Okay, no. never mind. Um, but, well, but yeah, he is he's very prominently featured here in a way that he absolutely is not in. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, uh, what's his name? What's the actor's name who plays him in the McGuire movies? Oh God, I can see him. He's I not didn't even he's know not this Bill character Duke. existed. Uh, he's not Bill Duke, but he's, he's still uh, something. He's uh, from the guy who gets killed and do the right thing. Um, what is the actor's name? Yeah, the, the oh. long guy. Bill Nunn. Bill, Bill Nunn. Nunn. Thank you. Yeah. Not Bill Duke, Bill Nunn. Um, that, so it, the, the point about disconnected from the traditional aspects of comics. So this pilot was made concurrently with the CBS pilot that became the Incredible Hulk TV series, mm. um, which took a very similar approach to the source material, which is pull out a recognizable thing that works and a specific piece of the visual iconography and jettison most of the rest of it. Um, Yeah. And I think that that speaks to um, an interesting thing in television of that era where, okay, number one, you're dealing with the perception of comic books as a childish thing. Like Superman the movie had not come out yet at this point. So mm. even what little credibility came from that that carried forward for the next you know decade had not been established. What time of year did this come out? Was this before or after Star Wars? This was fall. Where did um, this hat come from? Okay. 
Oh, would have been after Star Wars. Yeah, after yeah, after okay. Star Wars. Um, Just curious. So you you had that, and then you had this and Hulk um, trying to slot into okay, we don't have to respect these characters and this medium because these characters and medium are not respectable. Let's just slot them into what constitutes the TV of the day. Um, yeah, and the mo like it's a '70s TV series. Like The Incredible Hulk is the fugitive, except he turns green. Um, this yeah. is maybe yeah. a little less. Um, defined than that um and a little more nebulous uh but it it like it has the stink of the 70s all over it like it feels like a 70s oh, yeah. tv movie yeah i mean i think that's definitely i i definitely remember Holy thinking, was on love boat. i i do remember thinking that like the spider-man movie did not feel like a spider-man movie so much as it felt like a sort of 70s light-hearted journalist romp that happens to have a guy who can swing on webs yeah yeah, like, and given and given sort of how low key his powers are, like I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I, so, I wouldn't be shocked to discover there was like a version of this script that was like just the like journalist side of things, and they like yeah, act, put a spider uh, in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to split hairs here, but I don't think he actually can swing on webs. He flails. I think he, he flails webs. And he kind of fails. <laughs> But mostly he uses webs in the coolest effect in this film. Uh, he uses them to cover things and to pull things. But I really thought that effect was cool. How it, he would like swoop his har- arm and then this fully formed spider web would like project out and then spread and then parachute down slowly onto something. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Yes, I, I don't know how they against, did that. He uses it against this film, the film's secondary villains, the Kendo Men. God, I... I yes. <laughs> there, 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 there were moments... I, so I, I was watching this. Um, I was like... Uh, I was packing up my apartment and I had like it on my iPad and my headphones on as I was doing it. And I would occasionally get distracted and then I would turn back because I would hear the music building up to something. And the music in this scene builds and builds and builds as Peter is snooping around the Scientology headquarters and then it abruptly comes to a halt. And I look over to see what's happening that would cause it to abruptly cut to a halt. There's a shot of Spider-Man and there's a shot of a Japanese man with a kendo stick jumping out from an alcove in dead silence and I had no idea what was happening but I fell over laughing now I wasn't paying as close attention to the first half of this movie was there any was this the no, point no, of introduction no for the no Kendo people yes there, yeah, no okay. indication I was like it's possible, I, I, it's possible we saw them as like yeah. their, as you know L. Ron Hubbard no. proxies uh, henchmen earlier and I like just wasn't paying attention but no apropos of nothing he's he's snooping trying to get some information on it and like l rod hubbard is what and like uncle leo are watching on uh closed circuit tv while spider-man very slowly and awkwardly fights three men armed with kendo sticks it's the 70s yes. these things happen <laughs> That's exactly. This was Carter's America, and an injury around every corner. And he does. I, my favorite part of that kendo we stick fight. fight some dudes with kendo sticks. Yep. I, my favorite part of the kendo stick fight, by the way, is that he gets like smacked in the shin at one point by a kendo yeah. stick, and he like goes down. And that I'm like, looked like it hurt. Wow. I yes. mean, like, yes, it would hurt if you weren't Spider Man. Like, he's stronger than a thousand men. Man, you don't know if that's his Achilles heel, his his no, kendo shins. Spiders shin. have very weak yeah. shins. 
Also, I love I love the part during that fight where like they're all about to strike him, and then he jumps up, and then he's just they just sort of stare at him like a foot above them before he very slowly crawls away. Yep. My favorite part is when he, so he ju- when he like leans forward onto the one guy who's crouching, ki- double kicks like double horse kicks the two guys behind him, and then like hammer hammers his fists down onto the guy he was just leaning on to knock him out as well. Yes. I, he, yeah, the double the, the, the double donkey kick thing does seem to be like one of his moves. That should be one of Spider-Man's moves. I nominate his that other, his, for the Spider-Man Hall of Fame. His, his other big move, I noticed, is that like, he'll do the thing when he's wall crawling, where like he'll spin around in place very, yes. in a very yeah. specific yep. way that I have... I, I, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, oh, it's yeah, yeah. very oh. weird just oh, like, yeah. Rotation. Clearly, he, yeah. clearly he is like whatever he is mounted to on the wall is stationary there, and he is able to spin around. And they decided this looks spider. That's good enough. Yeah, use it. <laughs> we got we yeah, got the set I, for a day. Yeah. I just can't I can't get over in uh, in this film how how little the film seems to care about explaining to us the nature of uh, his powers. And, oh, and I, think, I think it does and, a good and, job of doing that in the office, in the newspaper office, where he's <laughs> extemporaneously explaining this guy that he saw who has suddenly become famous in a day. He's extemporaneously he, bullshitting his own powers. Yes. But I, yes. Mean, I, I think in part it's like a test of, like, this is a period before, I, I don't know, maybe this is too big a claim, but it's almost like this is before Spider-Man is really an iconic character. Right. Mm. So, you know, like nowadays you have to, you know, in a, in a Spider-Man film, you have to learn how does he get the suit? Does he make it himself? Does he, you know, like how how does he acquire it? How do the webs work? Um, Counterpoint, Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Is he good? You bet, <laughs> he's got radioactive blood. I was blood. surprised that that was not in, the, in here. I know, probably I know couldn't get the rights. Spider blood, radioactive But it is the, it is the theme song to the eventual TV show, isn't it? Say again? Was that is the it, animated? They no, it's, the, the, it's, the, it's I, the animated series. Well, well, I know that it's originally from the animated show, but I thought they also used it in the 70s TV show. Ooh, Maybe they don't. That was I'm my not understanding. Sure. Anyway, uh, oh. but yeah, I was very surprised when like the credits came up and that wasn't playing at any point. But also, I find it interesting uh, going back to Derek's point is that at arguably as Spider Man becomes more iconic, those sorts of things seem like they should be less important. Like, mm-hmm. like we all know how the spiders work. We all know about Uncle Ben. We all know, you know, he gets bitten by insert whatever the most scary technology of the day is: spider, right. radioactive, genetically engineered, whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, there do, it does seem like there's a bit more sort of like, well, we're making a Spider-Man text, thus we must hit on like this important part of the world building or like the mechanics of how he works or the ethos of how he works in a way that this is like, yeah, bit by a spider and he's got spider powers. Deal right. with the, the idea of an origin story, right? I, I mean, and I wonder how much like, um, you know, not to go on too much of a tangent here, but how much the the original Spider-Man or not, the um, excuse me, the original Superman or the Richard Donner Superman film brings the idea of an origin story kind of to the fore because so much of that film is yeah. pure origin. So story. I want to talk about that for just. I have two things I want to talk about um, building yeah. off of that. So number one. Uh, I think I texted you guys. I rewatched the Donner uh, Superman film not too long ago. And the origin story part of that film, which is basically the first 45 minutes to an hour of the film, I will argue until I am in the cold, cold ground that it is perfect filmmaking. It is 
absolutely mind-bogglingly great in every way. Um, the the second point that I want to make is uh, I looked up the guys who wrote the Spider-Man theme song, uh, and the lyricist was a guy named Paul Francis Weber, uh, Webster. Uh, Paul Francis <laughs> Webster. Yep, Paul Francis Webster, recipient of three Academy Awards for Best Original Song and a Grammy for Best Song of the Year. So he's halfway to an EGOT, and he wrote... Uh, <laughs> He wrote Damn. the uh, theme to Spider-Man. His songs appeared in Dr. Zhivago. He wrote the love theme from El Cid. Um, his three Academy Awards were Secret Love, Love's a Many Splendid Thing, and The Shadow of Your Smile, which is probably the, okay. the most famous. I have, famous a, I have a question. Yes. So I would say at this point, probably like the biggest pre-existing superhero text would be the 60s Batman show. Yeah, and maybe the '50s Superman show, like whatever. Maybe yeah, I mean, certainly cultural cash at the time. One of those two, but 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 I've seen some of that, but not not probably as much as some of the people on this call. How much? How much does that show, if ever, deal with like where like what Batman's deal is? The first episode, like he mentions losing his parents as a young boy, and that's it. Okay, and then after that, like, not really ever again, right? Yeah, it's, That's it's my the, impression. the reason Batman and Robin but, fight crime is because they're agents of the law, and it's fun. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Batman's wonder, 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 yeah. is, like, is fairly shallow and flexible, right? I mean, he's a rich dude who fights crime. He, he yeah. operates within our world of physics. Mm. He doesn't have a superpower. So yeah, no, it's, no, it's not like you have to... Like, Except it's not like the audience has to accept anything. No, but like it, it has the same disconnect of of character to sort of origin. But again, text. not not at, not at that moment though, because given where Batman as a character was in comics and in tone at that point, the Adam West animated or not animated, uh, the Adam West TV series is it's colored as if it's animated. Yeah. But it's yeah. not it's not a crazy radical departure from what Batman comics yeah. were at that point. No, no, I, I and I, I'm I, curious. I, what our impressions are of how much cultural penetration comics had in this era, because I'm under the impression that most of these stories are fairly well known. Certainly, um, yeah, the characters. I'm going to guess, like, and I would bet money part of the, that they uh, they sold and were read much more widely and were respected yeah. much much less. Well, yeah, but like my mom referenced. I mean, she's not a comic book person at all. But like when she was in college, her roommate got comic books mailed to her you know, direct mail. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was like not an uncommon thing. So I, I was under the impression that like, it would not be weird to imagine that most people did know who these characters were and what their deal was. Hmm. Yeah, but I don't I mean, know. I'm probably, just asking. That's probably true. But then like, again, I think the, the point I was making was not, not so much that like, yeah, yeah, obviously, like the amount of world building you need to explain how Batman functions in his world is not as much. But I think, in just in terms of like the narrative expectations of like how much of that kind of upfront world building you're going to do, I think the norms of 1960s, 1970s television does not sort of hit on like narratively hold our hands and explain the mm-hmm. concept quite as much as you know. If we were to sit down and watch a Spider-Man TV show made now, it would probably spend like the entire first season kind of slowly building it up Spider-Man. Get his costume until the you know, well, one episode. It's, it's, costume it's also 
well, kind of see, funny Daredevil. Because Daredevil doesn't literally does not get his Daredevil costume and be called Daredevil until the very last episode of the season yeah. of definitely season one of Daredevil. And and like uh, I'd probably you know there's probably like a half dozen different times throughout that first season where there is some kind of explanation for I am blind and this gives me sort of superhuman yeah. uh, sensory experience. It, it's kind of funny because if you think about other shows from this era or even somewhat leading up into like the 90s or early 2000s uh like the the premise of a drama is usually based on like their jobs or uh, you know something having to do with the 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 world the characters operate in but like a sitcom was called a situation comedy because it would the the comedy would come from a weird situation that was the premise of the show right like I'm divorced now, and but I have to live next to my mother-in-law, like my my former mother-in-law, or Hilarious. something like that. You know, so every every show had a theme song that explained what the situation was. So, in case you'd never seen an episode of it before, you knew what was going on the moment you came into it. So. I, I, mean, I feel like I, I'm now trying to figure out a way to make this called My Three Moms, and it's like involves <laughs> like the actual mother and my eight legs, mom and the like four mother-in-law maybe. Yeah. I don't just kind of to kind of bounce off of something dude said, like my baby mama. This this um you know film slash pilot is way more interested, I think, in Peter as journalist than it is in almost any aspect of Peter. More interested in forty six dollars like, because they're trying to sell the spirit. Six dollars and uh, keeping these yeah. ten people from yeah. killing them. There, there, yeah, there was a like... much better track record of reporter series in nineteen seventy seven than there were. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, then, I guess it's then, important. It's, pouring it's, radioactive it's not about a man with spider powers. It's about a journalist who needs who suddenly has spider powers. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's important to forget that not to forget that it's a backdoor pilot. That yeah. Yeah. the purpose of this in the industry is this is what the series will look like. Wait, isn't a backdoor pilot when it's an episode of something else? Yes. Okay. But it's 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 a pilot. It it, it was, a, it was it is, shot yes. explicitly a, as a pilot with the hope of going to series. Yeah, yes. a backdoor pilot is like a little sneaky, or like you know, it's like we're going to introduce these characters and how to get away with murder, and then oh look at this, they have a new show. Well, I mean, this is ostensibly its own kind of movie, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. so in that sense, it's kind of it's about. self-contained. But this was this was a common way of doing pilots. Like a lot of made-for-TV movies in the in the seventies and eighties were including, pilots for TV including shows. The Incredible, yeah, movie. yeah. This is a common common sort of thing. And and then and then if you if you didn't order it to uh, to show or to series, you still had it as like something you could show. You could still. Get some internationally some yeah you can release it internationally you can show it as like the Saturday Saturday night uh, movie a few times um, and yeah hmm. what else do we have to say about this like I I, I feel like I w- my my thoughts uh, I really like, liked the acting from that delivery man who would not hand over his package there, there was some good, there was some good 70s acting in here. yes oh, yeah. we haven't talked about the like the detective. Who has yeah. like a very oh yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. physical Literal. embodiment of seventies cops. Yes, he yeah. he he kind of he looked Whose like voice the I love child of um he looked like the love child of Peter Falk and George W. Bush. It was extremely disorienting. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've seen him somewhere before. Or somebody who I had not seen him, but I had heard him before. I I was like, he sounds like someone from The Simpsons. I had to look it up. You know whose voice he did? Not on The Simpsons. Oh. Who? He was the Croc King in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, wow. bring it back. 
Wow. Not the Clock King, but the Crocodile Kill, guy. Killer Croc. Yeah. Oh, okay. With no, not Killer Croc. No, the uh, the Sewer King who who had the crocodiles. Oh, the Rat King character. Yeah, oh. yeah. He was the, the guy who had those children. shoes, and it had the King. most touching end to almost any episode of Batman the Animated Series, which you is a pretty high sorry. feat. It uh, ends yeah. with all those sewer orphans coming out of the sewer and being handed off to police that. officers to adopt them. There was. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking at this guy now. So his name was Michael Pataki. Um, one of his most famous roles Governor was as... Of New York. Yep, exactly. Uh, one of his most famous roles was as Korax, the brash, loudmouthed Klingon who provoked the bar fight in The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, my yes. God. Oh, that, is, yes. that is how I know him. Yes, thank you. Yes, I was like, I know, him. Him. I know that I've seen this man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, he was also the I, voice of George Licker on Ren and Stimpy. I didn't mean what a to career. say that the Enterprise should be hauling garbage. I said that it should be hauled away as garbage. That guy, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Amazing. I, and, and the fact that we couldn't put that together to fight despite the fact that like 60s Klingon makeup was just like a slight brown face. The makeup worked, man. You really believed yeah. him. I knew he looked familiar. Oh my god. That's, uh, he oh, was also my mind really hard. He was also he was also Carnass and too short a season. He was like the episode. like warlord in an in I, I he can't had a lot of remember this. Oh, he had like a bunch of hostages, and there was like a whole warlord episode. It was an early episode. No, oh, it's a first, it's a first season episode that explains yeah. why I don't remember it. Oh yeah, I've, I've uh, never seen. I've actually literally never seen the first season, and I'm one of the biggest next gen fans you'll ever meet. That is <laughs> that is entirely reasonable. There's like maybe <laughs> I think there's like two or three episodes probably worth watching during that season, and that might be generous. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching the YouTube video of the bar fight right now, and I'm waiting for the kid. Oh, oh, yeah, God, it's him. He also has yeah. a huge beard. Like, that's actually the thing that's really covering up his face, is that he's this huge, big, yeah. pointy beard. Yeah. The but, great, like, big, he, bushy he's, beard. He's doing, he's doing, like, great, you know, 1970s cop character actor. Yeah, he's got the cigar. He's got, like, the gruff, the gruff manner. He's like, well, Parker, where were you? Can we talk about how... That, now, now that I know that that's the um, guy from... That he's the bar fight Klingon in Trouble with Tribbles. His Trouble with Tribbles voice is is fairly normal. Like, it's just a fairly normal voice. Oh, yeah. But his cop voice sounds like that he smokes 500 cigarettes a day, oh, yeah. gargles with gravel, and then falls asleep every night punching himself in the throat. This guy's an actor. <laughs> Sorry, Derek. You were saying something. I was, was going to say, uh, so can we talk about the fact that Peter's fellow graduate student in the lab looks just like uh, Yorma Taconi from uh, The Lonely Island. It really does. <laughs> I, did not, I did not notice that. But yeah, I know. I know. This is a film that he, rewards he, repeat viewings. Yeah, <laughs> he has. He has that. He gets. He gets star role in that very thrilling sequence where they like very slowly on the rickety like nineteen seventies. Uh, robotic arm very so slowly, much time very on that before. yeah like five minutes of this movie is watching this like jar of radioactive so here, material poured into a here's box. how that here's how that scene went and how it was conceived and how it was written they were trying to set up for if they did go to series uh an extended story where that would become the foundation of the dr octopus character and then they shot the scene and said, if this is the best we can do, let's just scrap that one. Are, are you serious? Is that like really what they were? No, of course oh. not. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it seems might... reasonable. Yeah. 
Uh, it's what yeah, I would do if I'm writing the pilot. Oh, I guess but the yeah, guy like, who yeah, uh, between the guy who that played... and like the whole like I need the forty six dollars set up from again, very great character actor doing the delivery guy. Who's like yeah, I don't know that he's guy's terrified guy. of this lab for some reason. It's going to make his sperm die. <laughs> <laughs> for some for some reason, something that really stands out in my mind is um, after Peter uh, scales the wall for I think the second time. He's not wearing his costume; he just scales the wall in, in normal civilian clothing. Yeah, okay. and that, that that group of people actually see him. Yeah, and they're like they're like they're talking to the cop, and they're like, "Look, up, I, I definitely saw something. There was a guy climbing the wall," <laughs> and that group of people who who witnesses this is the most like 70s group of character actors mm-hmm. i've ever seen like they've got massive glasses like total 70s hair ginormous collars it's well, great. The, other, the other thing i love about that scene is like this is like you know 20 minutes after he's gotten his powers he's like he's figured out he's got powers but he's still like in the training phase figuring out what he can do and it's like oh there's a mugger uh, like somebody's running off with a purse i can stop it and his solution is to run over to a, a a building like 10 feet away from where this guy is and start climbing up nothing nothing and to like, actually him. stop the mugger he just sort of distracts him with his climbing <laughs> ability this is how he uses his power again we have zero proof that this spider-man is in fact super strong the the man in the, the man in the green jacket is my MVP in that screen. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, my God. but yeah, there's a great but there's oh, a great like oh god the lapels. A lot of scenes in this like go on like a minute longer than they probably should. There's a lot of just sort of like Peter walks out of frame and you uh, and it just sort of lingers on where he is. But this scene there's like. 30 seconds or so of just all of those people going like, yeah, I saw him. You saw him? Yeah, I saw him. Yeah, we all saw him. <laughs> but e- even, with, even with all of this, I still found this incredibly charming and fun to watch. And I don't know if it's just like I was so happy for a change of pace. But I really I mean, enjoyed I think this. There's always something kind of meta-amusing about watching any anything that was made in a different mm-hmm. era uh, because it's so insanely different from... Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially I mean, when the, working in a genre that we're familiar with, but yeah, I, I found this, the same thing to be true. The, the music, fun to watch the seventies. The music, the wall crawl music, the music that specifically plays when he's doing the sort of the cheap blue screen wall crawl is just so delightful. It's like the funkiest thing that I've ever heard. It's like this close to being a a skit on early Sesame Street or The Electric Company. It's so it's so funky. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Derek okay. just put up like the shot of uh, yes, of him, like, I love that shot. His, uh, I love that, his, like, and I love it. So like, like he's, he's so excited. There's this whole thing where he's like talking with Aunt May, and like you can't see him, and then he like comes out in front of the mirror, mm-hmm. and then he like takes off the mask as though like they're like they're not going to know who's in the costume. We're going to need a shot of Nick's <laughs> hand right here. That could yeah. be anyone. Uh, and like, there's I no thought he was just really excited about the the soup yeah. that he was about to eat. But also, I like, like it has shoulder straps in a way that I don't think I've ever seen any other Spidey suit like in like you know you often see shots of them like taking the mask off and like they're uh, sort of half half it on. But this has like shoulder straps in a really weird way that I, I also find very charming. It, I wonder how much of this is either they don't have spandex at this point or it's like not good and so they have to create some kind of system to make it skin tight? <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, the, it does just look like cloth. 
to be frank. <laughs> uh, but Patrick, you brought up the uh, the music. I think there's a lot of interesting things in terms of the sound design. Like a lot of the yeah. sound effects are not what you would expect. Like mm. what? No. So, so, can somebody do a good approximation of what Spidey sense sounds like in this movie? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's just that, and like, there isn't like a flip sound when he uh, does the spiders. It's much more of like a whip crack noise. Yes. Uh, in, in a really weird the way. Strength of that whip. Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny is that they they do kind of like half-ass the spider the spider explanation, but they never actually explain the spider sense at all. Like it's just a oh, weird no. noise, and he just jumps. It's at the, basically and he just telepathy. Visions. The way that it's shot, like he's <laughs> he's getting spider signals from across town. <laughs> but but also the first time it happens is just like he's walking down a street and a car pulls up behind him and he with his incredible extrasensory things realizes there's a car behind him. Well, isn't the <laughs> isn't the image that comes into his head of him getting hit by the car? Is it that I it, I think I he was... actually sees himself get hit by it. I don't know. I like, had my eyes shut tight him. because I was so scared about what was about to happen to him. <laughs> I know it was very Harrowing. very tense. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's also clearly uh, there needed to be a little more thought in uh, the plotting of rescues. So, mm-hmm. like when when Peter rescues, uh, I think it's the professor who's about to jump uh, or about to fall mm-hmm. out of the the hospital window, mm-hmm. um, and he you know scales yes. the the wall to to get him. Instead of taking him back into yes, this hospital him. room, which is the right there, he takes him higher onto yes. the roof. No, no, no. Fall yes. wouldn't kill you from that height, Professor. <laughs> well, if he just took him back into the hospital room, that was the place where he was going to kill himself from. Now he's so out of the hospital It would be taking room. him back into danger. But if he also, takes him I'm, onto I'm, the roof... I'm rewatching the scene with the first spider sense, and I'm noticing that right before it happens, he takes his allergy medication. Oh. So it's entirely possible somebody watching this would think that that is the source of his That's powers. Allergy, his allergy medication. medication. Does. Uh, <laughs> and do you remember that episode of The Simpsons where Bart goes to France? And how could we forget? Uh, I hate France. Bunch of pigs. And no, there is absolutely there is absolutely no vision he has of it hitting him. It's literally just the car pulling up behind him, and he turns around, and it's pulling up. The behind crepes him. of okay. wrath is the name of the episode. yes. That is the name of the episode. Uh, so remember, Bart is just in, he's surrounded by people speaking French, and he does not speak mm-hmm. any French. And then and then he it, speaks French. Then yes. he is talking to a cop on the street that he's trying to tell him about the winemakers putting the antifreeze in it, mm-hmm. and the cop gives him a piece of candy, and he's like. Uh, no, I don't want a piece of candy. And then he eats the candy. And then he starts speaking French. Mm-hmm. And I had taken this that it, he's been immersed in the French language. And now he, he it's all because suddenly hit him at once. Yeah. A friend of mine, we, we were watching this episode together as we were children. And he's like, how does that candy teach him French? It was the marzipan. <laughs> and I just I felt like, oh, my God, that is extremely ambiguous right here. But I had never seen it that way. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I I also had the yeah, like, I can definitely see how, particularly as a child watching it, like because you know, yeah. you just make some weird sort of causal jumps when you're a child. And, well, like, you don't I mean, understand. he literally eats a piece of candy and then starts speaking French from nowhere with no explanation. So yeah. I feel like it's not a weird causal jump. It was just poorly structured. But yes, absolutely. In what respect, respect, that's it, an extremely it's very, dark it's very clear that the, of television. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Those guys are really killing people with that wine. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say that, oh, I really enjoyed the relationship between Peter and Barbara and, and how Peter's just so earnest about what a strange coincidence it is that he keeps showing up at these no, scenes. Sir, honestly, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> and I can, he just I has that real innocence. Me, but I swear, yeah. sir. No. <laughs> and the cop is clearly suspicious, but also just willing to go along with yeah. this. Yeah. Because he's well, yeah, busy chomping a cigar that is unlit. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just remarkably guileless. Like, he does have something to hide, but he's just like, I couldn't possibly lie to a police <laughs> yeah. officer. Well, I, I know it's yeah. weird. Well, I understand why you think that, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's very I, charming. I don't know what to think about the uh, the button on the episode, which is the, how did you get these pictures? Because I believe. I'm not sure what we're yeah, supposed I, to take away from that. So I, 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 I clipped that and posted that to Twitter because that scene of, so, like, one of the very last things is um, uh, he gives, the he gives like, a, fo- a manila folder to J. Jonah Jameson, and J. Jonah Jameson looks to them, and it's just pictures of uh, Spider-Man with the Kendo Man. Oh, and, yeah. And this was this incredible yeah, note of yes. reverence. He goes, Incredible. Just as a shot. Yep. Amazing. It's just them hanging out. It's not yeah. like yeah. shots. Yeah, no, it's they become exactly. friends. It's just like, After there were no longer like mind control. Shots of that. But like J. Jonah Jameson's mind is fucking blown by the fact that he, he got some like selfies with Spider-Man and well, the Kendo Man. Yeah, it's, it's specifically the idea of like all of the photos are Spider-Man and the Kendo Man posing for photos just like hey yes. thumbs up and i just love the idea of the conversation that he guys guys i have to take this picture okay i'm just gonna set it up here can we do do a few of these okay give another one come on uh, uh, that wouldn't take i love the idea of the awkward uh oh, back yeah. and forth between he and the kendo Ken, yes. is kendoman the the preferred nomenclature <laughs> i believe it's kendo american kendo american uh, the people really of kendo moment when they're sending the signal to, to what these mind control people have to do now and they're putting the parentheses around the command mm-hmm. uh, like destroy close parentheses there's a good three seconds between finishing typing destroy and getting yes. that close parentheses and it's yes. a very slow type of Peter I just feel like nobody knew enough about the public did not know enough about computer programming no. at the time to really make that necessary. No, no, I they they could have just, just written that without the parentheses. I mean, honestly, they could have just got away with having a microphone. It's like destroy Peter Parker. Yeah, like, yeah, sure, that, why that's, not? That's yeah. the thing. Like the, the entire computer uh, mm-hmm. uh, facade fe- feels unnecessary. Like. So when I read the plot summary of this this film before we watched it, because oh. I was not worried about spoilers, yes. um, and I read about like this guru who was putting people under mind control, I assumed that because it was a TV production set in the 70s, that he would be wearing a turban and issuing commands thing. from a rooftop with <laughs> I, his hands on his own temples. 100% thought the same thing. <laughs> I was not expecting uh, the Scientology well, angle. Your unquestioned biases have been exposed. That's true. Yep. I guess I'm the yeah. real villain. Yes. The um, real villains are the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's... Yeah, the, the Scientology angle, uh, I kind of wish that I had, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not mad at Patrick or anything, but I, I kind of wish that I had, like, been able to come to that realization on my own. I was like, oh, holy sorry. shit, it's Scientology. Don't worry about it. You know, again, this is not really something that can be appreciably spoiled. <laughs> no. uh, 
but but yeah just sort of the the uh discovery of that uh also i like that First of all, it just says destroy, which is a very vague. Yeah, uh, you it's, it's good management. You don't micromanage, not yeah. committing suicide. You just say but, destroy, but and you let also, him figure like, out how. Peter Parker is like climbing up the, uh, you know, the anti-suicide fence around the Empire State Building, and you can see like twenty other people on the top of the Empire State Building. Not a single motherfucker does a single thing about this man who's very clearly climbing up. To be fair though, that anti suicide fence does knock the Scientology pin off his jacket and save him, so it does its job. I will point out the the this the the day is literally saved in this in this movie by like random happenstance of a of the hook. The day is saved by intelligent civil engineering. Yeah. God bless you, civil engineers of America. This thank you, step- for you. Thank you, my stepfather. My stepfather is essentially a civil engineer. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> I thought that was just a shout out to your stepfather. Uh, yeah. I just thought we wanted just a random shout out to your stepdad. Yeah. I do like Alan. He's a very he's a wonderful yeah. man. I, I love. I do Now's like my him. time to plug Alan. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great guy. <laughs> Anywho. I'm trying to. My, uh, my grandfather was an engineer. <laughs> he worked for the government. Is there? Oh, yeah, is that guy? Much, what else is there to say on this? I'm, I mean, like, really, dude. We got the, we got the <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson going. He, he also. Those went photos, to that was my favorite. Is this one of those Middlebury things that I don't know about it's, because I didn't uh, go to Middlebury? Dude, do you want to talk about? I mean, I guess I can cut this out if you just want to. I, I don't. I don't need to plug my grandfather. Uh, it's it's fine. Okay. He, he did go to Middlebury and he was an engineer and he did work for the government and he was an inventor. But I, I don't need to plug him here in this space. He invented <laughs> GPS. Yeah. But, yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll cut this out of dude. Just yeah, we can cut that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's fine. I'm yeah, no, no, I, Patrick. That, I, I didn't no, no, like yeah. So that, that, that's the, I think that's the only thing we can make. I'm just curious to, to the bunk desk. Uh, let's yeah. have a wrap about uh, his grandfather. No, he he, he did have the eureka moment and the the initial vision for what the GPS would be and became. Uh, although mm-hmm. the project was later taken over by other people who claimed credit for it for years. When I was yeah. at uh, when we were at Mid for reunion, there was like a poster up talking about your grandfather that I took a picture of. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a pretty rad dude. Uh, National, he National also, Inventors Hall of Fame? Yes, National Inventors Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. for but did he the invent Earth. the bunk desk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... As a, as a, as a, no one copyright. has invented the bunk desk. <laughs> Wait, does, does us recording this podcast and then later releasing it, does that count as mailing it to ourselves? <laughs> uh, I, I, oh, I'd be willing to make that argument. I mean, it's got a date on it, right? Yeah. So, you can prove so we it's... just need we just need to make sure that we get. I think the way to play in, this in the works between now and whenever this is released. Yeah. The way to play this is we don't need to invent the bunk desk now because we've clearly already done it and documented it on an audio recording in the concept. We yes. just have to wait for someone else to manufacture and sell it, and then we can sue. Yes, don't we have to? Don't we have to have a, the patent though? Yeah, this, I mean, this we could point. We could point to this. This huh. is prior art. Prior yeah, art. I don't think that's how patent trolling. I think you have to actually legally acquire the patent from the you person hear that has the Nick patent. Smith, you hear that, Nick Smith? You hear that? Investors needed. Cinema yeah. <laughs> Excelsior got the first good patent. Nick, Nick, <laughs> Nick Smith. That guy hasn't had a good idea for a patent in weeks. His last good idea for the patent was a portable camping bidet. 
<laughs> well, I mean, you you're camping bidet has to be portable. You can't leave it at home. Sure. It can't be built into the infrastructure. By definition, it is portable. Unless it's some sort of like... Uh... What if it's built into the tent? Well, so it's not it's like portable of outside of the tent. What I if it's like a camp in front of a bidet tent. I can't I was just about to, if there was someone to like construct it and like 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 you're digging the latrine but in some way like engineering wise you're also making a, a bidet that will like go away in time that you'll dig as well, they might not necessarily need to be portable. I mean, if you have a bamboo rod and an artesian well, and you build your (laughs) latrine on the artesian well... You just need an Archimedes screw to bring the water up, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I'm on the... um, It sounds to me like we've done a much better job of venting this than Nick Smith did. So once again, suck it, Nick Smith. I'm on the... I would like to go on the record that I did not say suck it, Nick Smith. That was Nick Besser. From now on, known as Nick number two. (gasps) Gasp. Nick Worster. I'm taking Um, Nick Prime away from you for this Nick infighting. I'm on uh, the... One-sided Nick infighting. Are you seriously looking up how to patent something? Well, I'm just trying to see if anyone's beaten us to bunk desk. And it I actually do have a couple of ideas I'd like to patent. Doesn't appear <laughs> yeah, that I mean, anyone's beaten us to bunk desk. Is one of them bunk desk? Because that's a group No, yeah. no. I will say, not. like, if we, if we do but hire is a, the a lawyer desk, to do this... Which it, it, no, it's, it's the trunk desk, which is three desks on top of each other oh, in shit. the trunk of a car. It's, if we keep going this way, it's just going to be desks all the way down. Oh, it's desks in every direction. Wait, wait, how's that going to work with my trunk desk? We're going to call it the sex desk because it's six desks. Which is a desk desks. that elephants put on their trunks so they can work while they're walking around. So let's Ooh. let's elephants don't work. They remember everything. That's because they don't have desks to work on. Have you guys ever spent any appreciable amount of time on uh, the patent website? Because I'm reading right now the no, no, patent filing of a. Uh, Furniture combination of bed and desk. That is the title. I spend a lot of time on the copyright website. And it says... That is is not a bunk desk. It sounds like we are in the clear. Let's let's read the description. Let's make sure. A bed-slash-desk combination wherein the desk is disposed above the bed and unneeded space above the foot of the bed is used for the sitting portion of the desk and unneeded space below the desk surface as well as further space unneeded by the desk function is used for the space above the head of the bed. So this is there a picture? Can you show me a picture? Wait a minute. Did you say that you sit at the foot of the bed, but that the desk is above the head of the bed? Well, this shit's wild. (laughs) Um, Like I said, I'm having trouble with my screen sharing. Um, I'm having trouble understanding time and space as it is apparently warped around this desk Mm. or bed. Yeah, let me uh, let me drop it in the slack or in the slack. That's what I use at work. I'll Jackie and Laurie it to you. This is um, a PDF. Shout out to Ben right. and There you go. <laughs> Wait, uh, this does not look like a bed at all. What? It really doesn't. But I, it's the I bed. Is I the bed at the bottom of this? And then you yes, the, ab- be- the bed what? is at the bottom of it, and then you put the desk on top of it. So I, it is your idea, Bester. Sort of, but I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> you hate your own idea, you fool. <laughs> so uh, I, th- I think we're we. Since we're tr- like crawling through U.S. patent office documents, I think it probably means we don't have much more to say about wait, Spider-Man. Wait a minute. Not really. No way. All right. I, 
Does, it, does anyone have anything else to say about this film? This is only one desk, though, and bunk <laughs> desk isn't isn't that supposed to be two desks? Two. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Th- this yeah, is, this not is not the bunk desk. Bunk this is desk. Not I the think bunk we're very unclear on this. It's just a deeply confusing patent. Stefan, I think that also answers your question. So nothing else to say about Spider-Man then. Uh, he can do whatever a spider can. Here are my my final thoughts on. But can on... you kill him with a boot? Here are my. <laughs> no, here are he's my a man. Is... He's the size of a normal man. <laughs> Yes, so that, that, that conversation was on explaining that he was God, also he a man. How many legs does he have? He's only Dude, got he's two. two. He's a normal he's man. But spiders have so many legs. He couldn't even come up with the number of legs that spiders have. It was just like, they have a lot of legs. Pretty unbelievable. What an incredible scene. Maybe in the 70s, people just didn't know that That scene was better than any scene in any other Spider-Man. And again, it's entirely motivated by the fact that Peter Parker is trying to grift $46 out of J. Jonah Jameson. That is the only reason that scene exists. It's incredible. Also, I love one one of my first comments to Hillary as we were watching this is, can you imagine a time when it was presumed that a lawyer and a doctor were so respectable oh, yeah. that they would not commit a crime like this. And then <laughs> within two minutes, uh, what's-his-face at the paper was like, it's a lawyer and a doctor. They don't need the money. Like, <laughs> they were making the same point. Oh, yeah, it's really funny. it's really weird how like incredulous J. Jonah Jameson is about everything. Like I realize that's kind of part of his character, but like the extent to which he won't even accept like the basic premise of the central crime of this is like they're I'll all lying. Honest. Nobody could be. Well, he didn't I accept the basic premise of a man with the powers. Being of his incredulous is probably J. Jonah Jameson's only character trait: loud, smoking a cigar, not liking Peter Parker, mustache, being being very stingy, and also incredulous of anything. I guess I don't know. It just it seemed like an odd sticking point for him. Patrick, no, no, you no, were no, actually no, trying no, to give no. a final thought. Yes, uh, it, it, <laughs> my final thought on 1970s Spider-Man is Bunk desk, bunk desk, bunk desk, desk Oh my god, there's 18 pages of this patent Bunk, bunk, desk, desk That's detail. probably a short patent, actually I mean, yeah, I just... <laughs> I'll give my final thoughts. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm busy. Oh, yeah, Derek. Yeah. I would watch this film uh, 50 times before I would watch uh, any of the uh, uh, amazing Spider Man films with Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Again. I, yeah. No, that's fair. I, I would not say 50 times, but I would watch it again before I would watch either of them, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I have not, I have not seen, um, what is the most recent one? Far From Home yet? I, I just could. No. No. I was busy dissertating this summer. I didn't have time to watch I, it. I but having not I think seen Derek this, specifically I meant feel, the Andrew Garfield ones. I feel yeah. comfortable saying that this movie is in my top three Spider-Man movies. Interesting. Of the ones you've seen? Of the ones that I have seen. Having not seen Far From Home, and except that Far From Home may very well bump this out of the top three. Because so, I'm saying so Homecoming and, and Spider-Man Spider-Man 3. Oh, hey, I thought you were going to say Spider-Man 3. No, I'm going to say that I like this more than Spider-Man 3. Homeward wow. Bound? Yeah, I'm betting Spider-Man home wait, 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 wait. That's uh, really sorry, It's, it's where Aunt May moves Bester. upstate and abandons him, and he has to make it home. to the Bester, you, what, you're, So your top three Spider-Man movies currently are Homecoming, this, and what was the third Spider-verse. one? Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Oh, of course, oh, Spider-Verse. I thought you, I, not Spider-Man I 3 anything anymore? Otherwise. You Spider-verse stood behind so Spider-Man good. 3 for a decade. 
I mean, Spider-Man 3 is also up there. It's number four. I'm saying that this one oh, bumped okay. Spider-Man 3 out of the top three. I'm oh, not wow. saying I don't just... Wow. I'm more surprised that Spider-Verse bumped anything out of anything. Really? That movie really? was great. Spider-Man. I, it's Spider-Man. the best. It's easily I, the best Spider-Man it's movie. It's the best Spider-Man movie. I think Ooh, we've now you're t- making me maybe think. we haven't talked about this, but I spent the majority of that film trying to claw my way out of the uncanny valley. I found it so un like gratingly unwatchable. We'll talk about it when we But I also it. Hillary thinks that we may have watched the 3D version by accident on a 2D <laughs> television. So I, don't I do know if that had something to do I with do it. remember this now actually. I do yeah, remember, I remember we, this conversation. We, we all had the exact same like are you completely insane? What kind of weird robot replaced dude are you a terminator kind oh, of thing? I would say real ugly. Try, try watching it again. I think it's still on Netflix, but like try watching yeah, it, it again be. just under like other circumstances yeah. I, I i do remember us having this conversation and yeah. like the sort of visual mm-hmm. the visual problems that you were having seemed very unusual to all of us okay so, yeah. i'm gonna take but it's, also, it's also possible that yeah you know you know brains process things mm-hmm. differently it's possible that like something about the effects of that movie you yeah. know just yeah. don't work for you i still think dude might be the, a terminator i'm gonna take a middle of the road route and say into the spider verse is fine <laughs> that's kind of how I felt about it too. A preview of our home contentious and no. Michael Keaton were awesome. Yeah, no, like Spider Verse is it's very well made. It's very good. Um, I enjoyed it, but I didn't have the connection to it that I sometimes okay. have to Spider Man films. Um, All right, that's fine. Um, but yes, anyway, um, I think we can agree that the majority of Spider Man movies are not good. Yes, that's that's fair. Um, I did. I watched Evil Dead two. Uh, a few days ago. Hey, so did we. One yeah. of my least favorite Spider-Man movies. <laughs> Real, I thought it's a, it's in my top three. Uh, I, mean, but I, I, just... I, I did have the thought of like, what what was Sam Raimi's career arc if he did not uh, like creep towards the mainstream and end up making those Spider-Man movies? And the answer is significantly worse off financially. Like, good for him that he did those <laughs> things. But um hey uh, yeah do you they think were that not one of the secrets to his success thing. is the cadence of the title because evil dead and spider-man have the same flow mm, yeah that must be it yes that's how they that's how they, they, well, they dark up, man like, and drag me to hell do not work simple so, simple plan simple plan well, i have simple not plan. simple plan simple i have plan not seen man. dark man but dark uh, man. i saw dark man uh like a couple months ago it's a weird fucking movie yeah yep and it it spawned, I recommend it. It spawned one of the uh, one of the great like sequel subtitles. I was going to say sequel subtitles. Like Red die, dark man, die. No, that's not even the best one. The best one is uh, like this is in league with the Legend of Curly's Gold. Uh, it's Dark Man Two: The Return of Durant. Who the fuck is Durant? Durant's <laughs> <laughs> the bad guy from Dark Man One. Oh, obviously. of course. But the third one is called Dark Man Three: Die, Dark Man, Die. Yep. I think that's the next Die Hard film, isn't it? Dark Man the Die Hard, Die Dark Man Die. (laughs) No man who speaks German could be evil. (laughs) One last, one last uh, uh, note about about this film. Yes, Uh, this pilot uh, it had a seventeen point eight rating and a thirty share, which was CBS's highest rated program of nineteen seventy seven. Wow. Well, CB, uh, CBS Derek, was not the like ratings juggernaut that it has been the last twenty years or so. So, like, well, CBS, just another testament to the the very different era in which this yeah. uh, this film premiered. That you know, like there are three networks. A thirty share is. So I, I was, was going to ask, <laughs> like, not, not having 
uh, understanding that those dynamics have changed. If you had not said, like, CBS's highest grossing program in 1977, I would not have known if, like, a 30 share or 17.7 rate was good or bad. So, like, quick shorthand, what does that scale mean? So the share is, um, and Bester, you should help me out because yeah. you're the real TV the percentage of people who are. Watching As I understand, share is no. yeah is the per- is the percentage of TVs that are tuned to that that particular program. Okay, I, I believe I believe it's the percentage of TVs that are on that are turned to like, that are on that are yeah yeah, so, yeah okay. so it's rating, the percentage rating, of people who are watching TV viewing are watching audience. this. Yeah. yeah, so, well, so rating, watch- the, the raw ratings number includes people who are not watching television, whereas the sharing is just people who are watching television. Right. I believe is how, the, yeah, is how that. I believe you are correct. Um, I, I do. I distinctly remember that because like TV's on. There's also a clarification that TV's on doesn't necessarily mean people are watching. Oh, yeah. and there could be too. 20 people watching one television. But yes. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, it's not. And, it's not. A, you know the. The, the the whole way that you know those numbers are uh, are made up are you know right so yeah it's the, whole, I, the whole thing I have let, one let last I have one last meters. complete tangent that I want to take us on okay um, let's go about Nielsen well it's a in a tangential way it's about Neeson as in Liam Neeson as in the star of Darkman <laughs> so I've gone to uh, the Darkman uh, Wikipedia page and then I've gone to the Darkman Three Die Darkman Die Wikipedia page this is not fun. played by the amazing. Correct. Played by Arnold Vuslu, uh, the mummy himself. Yes. Um, but as I read through the Wikipedia summary, I want to play a game with you guys. Okay. So here's the final paragraph of the Wikipedia summary. Spoilers okay. for Darkman 3, Die, Darkman, Die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the laboratory suddenly begins to explode when a natural gas line ruptures. Westlake is able to save Angela and Jenny from the blast, but Jenny's face is terribly burned. Westlake decides to use the liquid skin to repair Jenny's face rather than his own. After Angela thanks Westlake for saving her daughter, he vows to start his research again while continuing to fight crime. In that paragraph, there is one Wikipedia link. And the words that the link is over are from beginning beginning to end. Use the liquid skin to repair Jenny's face rather than his own. That's that that's, entire that's, thing that's is lovely. Link. Guess what it links to? Oh God! Uh, no peeking. altruism. Is it altruism? Face off. Is Anyone it else? Dark Man One? Derek, your guess. Uh, uh, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, uh, ratings versus share. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the altruism. Sacrifice is the offering of food objects or the lives of animals or humans <laughs> to a higher purpose, in particular divine beings. I would, I would argue that I was, I was you, close you were shockingly close. <laughs> what did he say? Sacrifice. Altruism. Sacrifice. Altru- Altru- yes. <laughs> Hi, Billy. Oh, Billy Barty. Uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say about this film. Uh, I enjoyed it greatly, and I would watch it It could again. use more Billy Barty. Could use more Billy Barty. Um... And more Paul Lind. You guys mentioned Paul Lind in that text Paul chain. Lind, and I was we were, severely disappointed. What if, that he what was if not Paul Lind. Lind had been playing the uh, the Elrond Hubbard character? Wouldn't that have been amazing? <laughs> I, I would. I would watch. Okay, yeah. The thing that would make this film better for me is if Paul Lind played the Elrond Hubbard character and Harvey Corman played J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. I and Billy Barty was the gruff uh, detective. <laughs> Parker. 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 Spiders, what's the matter with spiders today? <laughs> and with that, 
We bid you good night, Cinema Excelsior audience, with a final pow chicka pow chicka pow chicka. Next time we'll we'll return to our regularly scheduled programming with Guardians of the Galaxy Part Volume Two. Volume Two. Yep. Punk desk. Punk desk. Copyright. Trademarked. Whatever. Patented. Whatever we need to do. Don't you go stealing that, listener. It. It's definitely a desk, but it ain't no bunk. It's bunk desk. Wow. <laughs> you think we could get Bunk Moreland to endorse it for us? Hell yeah, we could. Ah. Let's see if IKEA has the equivalent of a bunk desk already. They're the guys who are dangerous enough to have one. Bunk and desk. I mean, they've bunk got. Desk. I bet they, like, desk, they probably don't have like something that's no explicitly bunk. a bunk desk, but they probably have like modular furniture that, like, if you. That if you set it up that way, it would support being a bunk desk. Yeah, they don't, guess. they don't have a bunk Twice desk. Twice the desk, strictly. none of the bunk. It's bunk desk. <laughs> they've got they've got the traditional uh, traditional like desk under the bed situation, but yes. there's no like bunk desk or anything. Now like now that. here's a here's a question there's that no we haven't really bunk dealt desk with. Where the desk is like upside down on the ceiling and the bed is on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now here's here's like a just a logistical desk. issue that we we need to uh, deal with. Does the bunk desk necessitate a bunk chair? How do you sit? How does the person at top sit at Answer. the bunk desk? I know what I know what he's going to say. Say it, Derek. Answer: The bottom desk of the bump bunk desk requires a chair. The top bunk of the bunk desk does not require a chair. It's a standing Which desk. Is why you call top bunk? You sit on you sit on the head of the bottom you bunk. St- I like right. I like I like uh, Stevens' idea that it's a standing desk. Yeah, the top, the top, the top one's a standing desk. The bottom one's a regular the desk. A standing desk. Yeah, and they're they're on opposite side. Like the chair is it, the way they're set up. Like the chair's on one side for the normal desk, and then the person stands on the other side of the desk. I, I'm now worried that like WeWork or some other sort of uh, office sharing uh, startup is going to steal this idea and force pe- two people to work in the same cubicle this way. I am now worried oh, that this is an doing? idea am, that someone I'm else is going to make money off of and not us. The chair goes with I mean, the one on the I'm bottom. I'm just worried that instead of the person exists. on the bottom sits on the floor and Dude. the person on the top gets a chair. Dude, I've gone beyond the bit here. I need to figure <laughs> out how to patent this. <laughs> also, also, I'm going to say what Dude just, just described is a way to get a third desk in there because you have the floor, sitting on the floor is a desk. No, no, you, 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 the you need a four-level board. Person sitting on the chair has a desk. Person standing has a desk. Person on the piggyback on the person standing has a desk. Four desks. Okay, so and, dur- and, desk, and be clear right. during this entire it's a time, desk that's also a Hellraiser cube. Oh yeah. So when you open the desk, <laughs> demons pour out infinitely and torture you to death. In order While for an invention to be plays. patentable, in order for an invention to be patentable, it must be new, as defined in the patent law, which provides that an invention cannot be patented if one, the claimed invention was patented, described in a printed publication or in public use, on sale, or otherwise available to the public before the effective filing date of the claimed invention. Or, the claimed invention was described in a patent issued by the U.S. or in an application for a patent published or deemed public. Okay, so it says printed publication. Does Twitter count as a printed publication? Have you found evidence of it being published on... No, but I'm saying that if if you tweet about Uh-oh. it right now, Nick Bester, then, okay. then uh, I count that as a printed publication. Oh, and, I see. And I Stephanie see. Can't patent. I'm, 
Well, I, I, I was hoping that Stefan was not trying to steal all hey of our guys, patent. I thought he was Hillary's trying to do the computer just gave me an alert that my Yeti stereo microphone is set up and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is good to know. I'm just yeah. going to say right Thank now, God. I... Let's see, wait. Uh, Actually, Stefan, that is useful for me to know because I've had an idea cooking in my head for like, oh God, since I mean, six I'm not, months ago. I'm not like that, an uh, expert on patent law, but you know who is? The U.S. Patent Office, which I'm reading from right now. So yeah. all those resources are available. Boom, yeah. just tweeted at y'all, Bunk Desk. 